0: This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck, Hill and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Coming up.
1: At my height, I had 80 gadgets in my home, and I would spend two hours a week tweaking them and making sure they all work together and trying things out. It was horrible. Horrible. Is it a drone that's going to shoot people? No, not today. (laughs) No. You could even have fun things like make it sexy time, and you'll get like this pink glow in your room if you've got a color-changing bulb. I'm not saying
0: I ever use that setting. Hello, you're listening to the Design Spark podcast, Expansion Pack, giving you a little bit extra of your favorite podcast. Today's episode is the Expansion Pack for our Smart Homes episode. If you've not heard this already, you're missing out. Head to designspark.com podcast to hear it and the rest of Series 3. I'm Harriet Brain, and I'm about to talk with the Internet of Things journalist, podcaster, and all-round smart tech expert, Stacey Higginbotham. Hi Stacy, could you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi Harriet. I am as you said, a journalist and a podcaster.
1: I do the Internet of Things podcast and have since 2013, so I'm really old <laughs> and terribly <laughs> jaded. And I have a website called Stacy on IoT. And that's what I do all day long, test smart devices. That
0: sounds pretty fun, actually. Is it, is it fun?
1: <laughs> it depends on the device and my skill set. So there have definitely been some mishaps that have woken my family up at like two in the morning, but we don't have to talk about those.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, e- experimental smart home sounds like a potentially interesting... <laughs> it's like your house is haunted. <laughs> That is kind of what I was imagining. Yeah. I mean, especially because I'm a little bit of a technophobe. It sounds extra scary to me. So the question I wanted to ask is what should we expect from our smart tech in five years time? Okay. In your home, if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have been like, oh my gosh, it's
1: going to be, your home is going to anticipate what you need when you need it and you won't have to program it or anything, but we are not there. Oh. And it is 2020 and it feels like we're basically maybe the same place we were back in 2014. And it's terrible. No, no. I know. At my height, I had 80 gadgets in my home and I would spend two hours a week tweaking them and making sure they all work together and trying things out. It was horrible, horrible. What I think is going to happen now for real in the next five years, we're going to get to a place where we can install pretty simple devices like a smart outlet or maybe a smart thermostat. And that will be controlled via your voice and it will be much easier. I also think also going to see a lot of medical devices enter the home, which may get into some weird areas around privacy, but we can talk about that.
0: Yeah. But I suppose any sort of smart tech sort of lifestyle, I guess, is going to be constantly harvesting data from the people who live in the home. What is the line between privacy and usefulness? You know, it's going to be a really interesting balance. Yeah.
1: And the, the idea that your home is smart, Basically, what most of us, when we think of a smart home, we want it to be like that super powered assistant who's like, oh, it's your wife's birthday. I called and ordered you flowers or, you know, you're supposed to be here. You need to leave now. All of that. Like the home is a true assistant. But we forget that if we actually get something like that, that person knows a lot about you. Yeah, yeah. And you're really just hoping that person doesn't tell your spouse about your mistress on the side, right? And we don't have any of those guarantees from the companies that are providing this to us. And so, yes, a truly smart home is kind of like a surveillance state that is operated by Google or Amazon.
0: I was listening to an episode of your podcast earlier today, the one where you were summarizing some of the the sort of standout things from CES in Las Vegas, and the the thing that's re- really stuck in my mind was the the drone that people can well maybe not buy yet, but they can they can buy a drone which basically acts as a kind of home policeman. Yes, yes, that is that is actually something you can buy. It
1: is. I think it's like five to ten thousand dollars, though. So this is like your own personal surveillance drone. Wow, this is not maybe for everyone,
0: but yes, that is the idea. More of a sort of industry thing, maybe more than a home thing.
1: No, no, it is it is designed for super wealthy people. But then you have to say, you know, if I send my drone up in the air and they see that someone is on my property, is it a drone that's going to shoot people? No, not today. <laughs> no. But I also want to caution you before you like poo-poo the idea. Imagine you're stuck in traffic and you have a drone that you could like deploy through your sunroof to see what the holdup is up ahead. And you're like, oh. <gasps> That would be kind of nice, right? That's true. But aside from drones, because I think there's a lot of excitement around them, I don't think that's something that consumers will be playing with in their home for the mainstream in the next five years.
0: But there were some really amazing sort of less technical things you were talking about as well, like simple things that, again, you might have thought was futuristic maybe 10 years ago, but now people can have, which is things where their lighting is controlled uh, via Wi-Fi, for example.
1: Sure. And I always encourage people that if you want to get into the smart home, this isn't five years, this is totally like now, Mm -hmm. buy a smart light bulb connected to your Wi-Fi network. So a great one that is pretty easy to play with, easy to invest in is LifeX because it's Wi-Fi based. Or if you want and you have like Google stuff in your home, you can do the C by GE light bulbs Having a smart light bulb is like having someone I don't know tuck you in at night, right? You, you get to say, "Hey, so and so." If you have Amazon, I call her Madam A, but it's I'm not even to say her name because what if people like they hear it and it goes off? <laughs> but you tell Madam A turn on this light, and it happens, and it's so nice, and those work really well. You can even have fun things like make it sexy time and you'll get like this pink glow in your room if you've got a color changing bulb. I'm not saying I ever use that setting. (laughs) You can also do things if you have kids like dance party. So so there's lots of fun to be had there. They
0: do sound much more fun than I thought, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're coming down in price and they can be super practical. I have a 13 year old who like listens to music on her headphones at like top volume in her room. So we just have a connected, colour-changing bulb in a room,
0: and I just turn it to blue when I want her to come downstairs. That's amazing. (laughs) It works for everybody. So I guess the five years' time projection, we're less sort of talking about things that are voice-activated and more talking about things which learn from our behaviour. Is that sort of something that's going to be more likely to happen in the near future rather than is happening already? So I think yes-ish. Ish.
1: Ish. (laughs) I'm giving you the ish because we have voice so we can command and control things, right? But if you talk to people who are developing this technology, for example, at Google, they think about having like artificial intelligence in three different ways. There's like recommendations, and when you have recommendations, you need to be 70% sure that something is is correct. So that think about like your Netflix stuff. They're like 70% sure you're going to like that movie. Okay. If you have something they call it corrective, it needs to be like 85% Corrective is something like if you've ever been in your office and the lights go off because the motion sensor hasn't detected motion like you're working. All the time, yep. And you you wave your hand in the air and you're like, I'm, I'm still here light. <laughs> so that's corrective. And you have to be, like I said, 85% sure that you've got the right thing happening. But it's still really easy to be like, no, no, I'm still here and wave your arm. The final step is to do things automatically that have a real impact, either monetarily or physically in an environment. And so that might be like, oh, it's Tuesday night. Stacy always orders pizza on Tuesday night. I'm going to call Domino's on her behalf. You have to be 99.99% sure in Google's world. And that's a really high bar. So we have to start thinking about when we're talking about our home being smart, is it all the lights going to turn on? Is it easy for us to fix that if it's wrong? Because if it isn't, or if you're like waking people up with a news alert, maybe at 2 a.m. in the morning, that's a 99.99% case, right? You need to be super sure. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get there. But we could get to the 85% level, the ish. And to do that, we'll need voice so we can command things easily and make things work easily. Mm -hmm. But we'll also need something presence and context in the home. And we're seeing that like Apple is introducing some new technologies for really fine grain location in the home. So you have to know where people are in the house. You have to have a decent sense of what they're doing. And then you have to use those things to like deploy an automation, whatever the appropriate thing is. And we're not real sure what people are doing. And we're not even sure who's in what room in the home yet.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about Having to know people's whereabouts in such detail, I hadn't realized that would be such an important thing, but obviously, yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so important. (laughs) I can tell you, I
1: did this, like, it took me a year and a half to come up with a going to bed automation. So this was basically like, when this happens, we're asleep and you can make sure the doors are locked, turn down the thermostat, turn all the lights off, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I spent years trying to perfect this because I would go to bed, but still other people would be up and the whole house would go dark and people would be like, what, what, what? Or I would, if I tied it to like too closely to me when I came home from the airport, like at one in the morning, it would be like, oh, Stacy's awake now. Let's turn everything back on. And so it's really
0: tough. yeah It is asking a lot, as you said, of anything that isn't human or I guess a dog, because even dogs are quite good at this stuff. <laughs> so uh, what do you think the main reasons are that smart homes don't live up to the aspirations that we might have had five years ago?
1: Well, I think a lot of people don't actually know what they want in a smart home. Ah. So we say, oh, yeah, I want my home to be the, this digital assistant. But then we're like, oh, but then they know everything about me. Ah, <laughs> So that's one thing. And then we also we don't want to pay for it. Yeah, yeah that's true. These things are super expensive and the utility is kind of marginal. Like basically it's sitting on the couch instead of getting up and turning something on or off. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we don't actually have standards. If you have like a smart home thermostat from Nest, it's never going to talk to your, you know, gear from Hive or your, I don't know, security system. So that's really tough. And even now we have like these integrations between these things. So like you may have a Amazon Echo skill, for example, but you have to like, go in and you have to say, I want the skill. Then you have to like authenticate it, which means you've got to remember your password for your other account. And then you've got to like link it together and hope it works. And then you've got to remember the right words to say. It's just mm, too much.
0: Okay. (laughs) And I guess all of these things take a lot more time than anyone thought. So much time. So what would be your ideal gadget that doesn't exist yet?
1: I really do want that like true digital assistant that knows everyone in my home and where they are uh-huh. and can make, basically I want IT support for me because I am our home's IT support. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I also, oh, I know what I want. I want a little, it's not really a robot, but I want something in my fridge that knows what's in my fridge and can suggest to me recipes that work with those items and help me cook them. That is like my
0: dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That would be really great because I'd I'd love to have something that sort of read you a recipe as you were doing it and sort of knew what stage you were at.
1: There are devices that are close to that. So like my favorite device is a device called the June Oven. It is a connected oven. It has a camera inside and it does image recognition. That's extremely clever. Yes. So you put food in it and it's like, oh my gosh, is this a chicken breast? And you're like, yes, it is. And then it's like, pop that thermometer in there and I'll cook it perfectly. And it does. And it's awesome. And it's like magic. And that kind of technology is coming to a lot of high-end appliances. So you'll see them at uh, GE, has them, Whirlpool, several other companies are bringing that in. And you even see it with things like people make fun of it, but there's an Amazon Echo microwave. It's not because you need to tell your microwave to cook something you're like, but you can't press the popcorn button? <laughs> no, it's so you don't have to think about how many minutes to set something for. So you put a baked potato in that thing and you say, hey, Madam A, tell the microwave to cook my baked potato. It figures out whatever the microwave recipe is.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, that's here. We just need to tie into that what we currently have in our kitchen and then we'll be like, boom,
0: right there. <laughs> Lazy chefs. A lot of people you know, love all, love doing all of this already and they love working things out and problem solving themselves in some areas of their life. But do you think it would sort of encourage people to become cooks where they haven't ever cooked before and things like that? Or do you think it'll be purely the people who already know how to do it, but are lazy? <laughs> so I think the people who tend to hate the June oven are people
1: who are actually good cooks because they're like, it takes away all my control. Yeah. <laughs> and to them, I say, you go and you take your control back. Good for you. But most people are pretty lazy. Mm-hmm. And for those people who are like, oh, I want to eat healthier, but I don't really want to think about it. These kind of inventions are going to be a godsend. You're just going to be like, take raw ingredients, maybe prep them a little bit and stick them on a tray and it's done. That's wonderful. And it would be great to know that what you're cooking meets your nutritional needs, I guess. Yeah, that is true. And I mean, I have seen so many devices that on both ends going into you and coming out will <laughs> track your nutritional, like yes. the nutrition that you're taking in. Um, but that's still pretty far advanced. I think that's probably in the 10 year future. Oh, wow. Where you can have sensors and they'll be like, the nutritional content of this is people, bubble blah blah and then there are smart toilets and yes strips that you can
0: pee on for that. <laughs> so, do you think the answer is that we need a smart brain in the home to control all of the smart devices? Do you think? the human itself isn't quite equipped. (laughs) No, the human is totally equipped, but the human
1: doesn't want to. Yeah, And that's that's what it, I mean, we all wish that we had, we we talk about it kind of in, I'm going to go with blatantly sexist terms. We all talk about wanting a wife, right? Yeah. I want a wife, someone who manages things. And that's essentially what most people want. I, I know when we talk about a smart home, the benefits aren't actually that you can turn on your light from your
0: couch, although that's nice. It's that someone will manage your home it's the emotional labor, isn't it? That's what yeah. that's, that's the term for the knowing what's in the fridge and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Gender implications are are really, really interesting.
1: And maybe I want that because I'm a woman and I do a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a guy really does want to just change the light bulbs
0: from his house. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would mean we have to ask one. Ugh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Yes, I, I really was excited. I hope I hope I sold you on smart light bulbs. Actually, we've got a few blown. We should maybe install smart ones to replace those ones. That's an idea. Does it work if you only have a few? Do you have to have like a whole system? No, and the best place to put them is actually in a lamp. Aha. Uh-huh. Pro tip. Thanks for that. That's really good advice. That was the brilliant Stacey Higginbotham. To hear more from her, head to StacyonioT.com. And for more expansion packs, Design Spark episodes and other great content, head to designspark.com slash podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend.